And wait, and wait. inspired mike that was, a, that was a good shout hello welcome back to toronto till i die the toronto fc fan show i'm, I'm mike newell and thank the maker above the 2023 toronto fc season is finally over uh, the last three months have felt like three Namaste. years yeah exactly mm-hmm. uh but at last the players the staff the fans can all take a breath and try to hit the delete button on what is officially the worst ever Toronto FC season. On today's show, we'll briefly react to Toronto FC's 2-0 loss, uh, season-ending loss against uh, the playoff-bound Orlando City in Michael Bradley's last game. Uh, Get to some interesting comments from Jonathan Osorio and John Herdman in the post-game press conference. Uh, I think one of the guys, or all three of us, will vent on at least one thing that either surprised or pissed us off all season. And then, of course, we will get to the burning question presented by Nextdoor. Lots to dig into with my co-hosts, Jeffrey P. Nesker and Michael Singh. Gents, how did you take in the, the, the last regular season game? of this awful, awful 2023 year. Uh, Jeff, I'll go with you because I saw you for a bit uh, and then I lost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, uh, I mean, I'm seeing you now and I know you're wearing a hat, but nice haircut, buddy. It's just uh, reminding me that how badly I need to get myself <laughs> one. So, um, and your fits were immaculate. The the what, what what would you call that shade? Like a mustard shade of Roots hoodie with the, with the black logo and then that beautiful Henley coat. Your fits were insane on game that i got hey I man i was in going club colors so if i'm not going club colors i better look good you know yeah uh i went the other way i i i i know it's hard to believe guys but i ain't 20 anymore and uh, i had a stack day i had michael bradley's final game at bmo and then i had to hop skip and jump back to my neighborhood to go to lee's palace to see gila band which is the best concert i've seen all year it was unbelievable um but i dressed for gila band so your boy was freezing absolutely frigid cold at BMO in a way that I've never allowed myself to be because I'm smarter than that. And so, you know, I was, I was suffering, man. I was suffering. Imagine if it was a seven 30 game. I know. I mean, there was going around that the game was being delayed till six 20 for some asinine reason. And my feet felt it, you know, like that was the longest first half I think I've experienced at BMO. It felt infinite because i was i was so damn cold it 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 was it was it was nuts out there guys. it felt I mean, like it late, o- late october by yeah. the lake yeah. it did feel like mm-hmm. late october by the lake mikey how did you uh take in that uh final game oh well, i mean first let me say it sucks that there won't be any more cold games for us to to go stand in or, or be a mm-hmm. part of because uh, obviously tfc aren't playing anymore and you know i best memories are standing in the freezing cold and trying to stay warm. So I would love to feel and taste some of that 
once again. Um, me personally, I was once again working MLSsoccer.com, and of course, the biggest storyline was not Toronto FC or <laughs> MLS Soccer. So I had the game on, and that was probably the game that I was I was locked into the most. You know, I was covering some more pleasant stories like the New York Red Bulls, who, by the way, shout out New York Red Bulls. 14. Last I knew you were going to go there. Goal. And you know what the consequence was? CF Montreal did bye not bye. make the postseason. Did you see the gif of like, penalty. or the video of them like watching on the bench in Nashville? Oh and, man, so and, sad. And trying to see it, and then you just see Sampi and being like, and walk. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> You yeah, it's sad it. that it was Sammy P that you that you saw because because I like him most of all. But yeah, yeah, it was bad. Speaking of cold weather, um, I'm I'm just gonna ask: Did either of you bite on the on the set fifty percent off black TFC parka? Because it was pretty gorgeous. Um, I already have a shit hot parka though, so unless it's red, I wasn't even considering it because the only reason I would get a second parka is one specifically for BMO nights. I am quite proud this year uh, of not uh, providing the club any additional revenue outside of um, the odd beer here and there and ticket revenue. You didn't uh, go for the Harlequin kit? It was no, They were like giving them away. They were throwing no, I them. I know. Well, well the there's, a yeah. <laughs> there's a reason. There's a reason. But no, no, I didn't go for any of the 50% off. So the lineups were long. Well, they're always long at the end. They of the moved season, quickly, man. They moved quickly. Mm-hmm. I will say this because my friend went in uh, ostensibly to buy a uh, 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 energy kit and came out with a scarf instead. Um, but he motored through there and uh, you got, you know, they, they definitely, they definitely got the, got the crowd going. That's for sure. Fair enough. Yeah, no, um, usually I partake. Um, That's how I got this uh, a couple of seasons ago uh, for like 40 bucks. Um, no, it's but, the best day ever. Yeah, yeah, it was, but yeah, no, I wasn't feeling it this year. I think a lot of people, like, look, a lot of people went and got this stuff. Like, clearly, if it's 50% off, who I'm not blaming anybody for going and mm-hmm. getting stuff. But there were a lot of people I spoke to in the stands who were, like, vehemently, not, I am not giving this club another dime of my money, um, given the the way that this season ended. You can't even blame them either, right? And, and I think, mm-hmm. you know, that maybe just goes into the first segment here in terms of, like, the game itself. Like, obviously, look, it was a 2-0 loss. Orlando City um I don't think that a wholly unexpected result but I will give the team credit right I think for 50 60 minutes it was a better performance than we've seen out of this group in a month maybe maybe a little bit more than that I want to get your guys thoughts in terms of you know what you saw out there uh for the first sort of 60 minutes before um orlando said forget it and actually brought in you know parts of their actual 11 into the team uh to sort of take over the second half yeah i I think that's worth emphasizing right you're you're playing a rotated heavily rotated orlando side because they virtually had nothing to play for or like literally didn't have anything to play they couldn't go up or couldn't go down yeah their seed Mm -hmm. was locked in at number two there so Mm -hmm. yeah you know i i agree toronto fc played probably the best bit of football that we've seen them play but that is with you know, aforementioned asterisk that I that I mentioned there off the bat. Um, I, I think we started to see some of John Herman's tactical identity come into play, though. Uh, specifically, I think John Herman has made it pretty clear that he's going to be playing with a back three with yeah. Toronto FC moving forward. Uh, I think he one of the things that he said after the match is that when you look around MLS and you look around you know, some of the teams that have 
attacking DPs and their front line is loaded with DP talent, it's really effective when you use a back three against some of those threats. And if you look at the majority of teams around MLS, they have attacking mm-hmm. DPs. Yeah. So I think it's it's quite clear that he's going to be playing with a back three in some way, shape, or form. Uh, probably a little bit of national team vibes too. So yeah, go ahead, Jeff. I read that too, and my and my knee jerk was, oh yeah, that's that's obvious. But after a few seconds, I was like, is this somebody coming up with like quiet quitting? You know, oh, we invented a new terminology. No, it's <laughs> it's existed forever. You've just given it a new alliterative term because it does seem so simple. Oh yeah, let's just play like a, a five three two or a three five two, and certainly we enjoyed some success in twenty seventeen there. But it did reek a little bit of like Charlie's Chocolate Factory, like just getting in there and going, I figured it out, guys, at three five two, and I was like, uh oh, are we in? Are we in for it now? Now naturally, I have I have some TFC PTSD. And I'll own up to that. But yeah. like my my knee jerk reaction versus my more measured, what at least what I would consider a measured take after the fact couldn't have been more different. So it was just it's funny to me. And I'm glad you mentioned that because I, I sure loved it when I read it for the first 15 years. I, I, I get what you're saying there, Jeff, but I, I think for at least parts of the first half, it was working. Actually, you know, I think obviously Emmy Mabika going down sort of changes the calculus a little bit. You kind of have to drop Michael Bradley into that uh into that that center back role and be part of that back three. And, and as you said, Mike, in the press conference, you know, John talked about it, the fact that was unfortunate. Um, it will be interesting to see what they kind of do with him. Maybe if they kind of look at him in as sort of like a reclamation project in a way um, it's something John Herdman is quite obviously famous and known for, for these reclamation projects. And it could be one of those situations where I know, look, like maybe sort of started hot, and I mean, hot for where TFC were at the time and, and the quality that you were seeing and then had a mm. massive drop off in confidence. Right. And and I wonder if that's part of this whole sort of plan. Obviously, we're not going to see the whole thing yet because the offseason has just begun. There's a lot of work for the team to do. But he is maybe one of the players that you could look at and say, like, this is could be a quintessential case of John Herman putting an arm around a very, very large individual um, and uh, and sort of saying, hey, let, let's build your confidence back up. Definitely. Right. His, his best bit of football was that stretch where he came in after he was acquired and under Bob Bradley. And ever since Bob Bradley was fired, uh, it seemed like. John, or uh, Terry Dunfield couldn't really find a way to get the best out of Mabiga. If you can recall, I believe Mabiga was dropped before maybe even Terry's first game. He might have been yeah. dropped right mm-hmm. away from the 11 yeah, or he was pulled early. And then, you know, his confidence wavered and had some plays that really stood out in terms of maybe not giving the amount, or at least visibly, it kind of seemed like he didn't give full effort on certain plays. And I think that kind of just piled up and piled up. And yeah, he's he's definitely someone with talent. I think that's you, you can see that. Like him on the ball, he is he is one of the better uh, center backs with the ball at his feet. Um, can cover ground fairly quickly. Like to me, and maybe I'm jumping the gun a bit here, but maybe it's it's Kamal Miller vibes where you can slot him into that back three as the left center back. I don't think he's a central center back. I don't think he's he obviously can't play on the wing back. So for me, like he has to play one of those outside center backs in a back three, cause he does have some decent amount of space. So maybe he is that Kamal Miller kind of vibes there. Um, but yeah, that's, I mean, that's going to be John Herman's work over this next 
couple of months now is trying to figure out which pieces on this roster are worth kind of making into one of those projects. I'm a big you, one of the you benefits. said it. Yeah, one of the benefits would be he's very cheap, right? Yeah. So why not take a gamble on a guy like that? And a guy who seems to have a really good head on his shoulders, which is something we'll get to, but that seems mm-hmm. to be, once again, the motto for this team's offseason. Yeah. Go ahead, Jeff. I, I, is it worth it? I mean, at, at the end of the know. day, no, but the prerequisite for a reclamation project is that when the going gets tough, you've at least got that baseline of fighting for the badge. Well, it's already three strikes there. And all three of them occurred on that third New York Red uh, NYFC goal. That's one of the worst goals I think the team's ever conceded. Uh, so, I mean, granted, you know, he's cheap. He's on the books. We've got a lot of other fish to fry. But, you know, if you already know what's going to happen when the going gets tough, aren't you the fool for, for trying again? I, you know, I, I, he's not the only center back in, in MLS. He's not the only center back in the world. I don't understand why, you know, we have to settle. This is a full rebuild. I, I think the book's been written on Ame Babika. He doesn't make the grade. Like, I don't think this is a full rebuild. Here. I don't think well, this no, is it can't be, but, at, hey, but, well, it, but it needs to be. And I, and I think, and I think, you know, harping on players that have kind of shown their whole ass, uh, you know, pardon my French, like, like M.A. Dabika, when the going got tough and the chips were down, there are other players that deserve those attentions. I, I just don't think he's one of them. Fair. I, I, I don't think you're completely uh, off base there, but that I would say that if you were going to, there was a lot of guys on this team, like a lot of guys on the team, you can say that about. And, and realistically, mm-hmm. if, if you were saying like, Hey, you know what? We're just going to get rid of every single player who had one or two bad moments where they just looked like they were out of it. We'd have five players on roster, right? Like I'm, literally, but, I, but I'm not saying that I, I I'm saying like, if, if you put Pertretta or Rosted, up against Mabika, I choose Petretta, I choose Rosted, you know, because Oof. despite their despite glaring deficiencies here and there and and things like that, I never saw the anti highlight reel that was a lot of Emmy <laughs> Babika's performances there in a pretty necessary position. Right? There mm-hmm. are other factors. I mean, Petretta is the highest paid left back in Major League Soccer. Rosted almost makes a million dollars. You have an opportunity to actually take that gamble on a guy like Mabika because he doesn't really cost much. So, mm-hmm. I don't know. Like that's No, no, no. I, you you make good you make good points. I just I just hate logic that's mitigated by cap hits. You know, yeah. it, it's it's but that's it's annoying math, to right? be it's, so myopic. You no, know? but that that's part of the that's the part of the job that these guys are going to have to do in the offseason is is balance Agreed. a little bit of that with the math, right? Like that's just Agreed. A factor in it, and another player I wanted to talk about in this game um, was. I mean, I I don't want to make this whole about the Emi Babika show. I mean, no, obviously we're la- nice laughing because we spent the first ten minutes talking about Emi Babika. <laughs> but I mean, it's that kind of season, Mike. Really, it's that kind mm-hmm. of season. But like, you know, again, I think it's important to, as much as we're highlighting players that that we think didn't have racing, it's also important to highlight players that I think have shown consistent through since consistency throughout the season. And Kobe Franklin yep. again is another player that's getting a lot of shout outs from different parts of the coaching staff and the organization. And I thought again had himself a pretty decent game. And for 100%. again, those 60 minutes, 
um, looked like a player that belongs in MLS. That really, uh, you know, unless you go out and get a world-class right back, like to me, has kind of nailed the position there. Or you get somebody who is a, an MLS day-in, day-out starter, no doubt, or like a Justin Morrow no need. player. Right? No but need. I don't think the position solid. Safe. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think it's I'm pretty... He's kind of earned that spot until somebody takes it from him. I'm kind of like shaking my head about there was a stretch during this time where <laughs> during TFC's worst times where Kobe Franklin got dropped from the 11. And I'm kind of like shaking my head like how exactly did team staff figure it was best to play Brandon Cervania at a position at right back as opposed to <laughs> letting Kobe run free and, and develop. Oh, like, oops, wrong one. <laughs> maybe, maybe hindsight Back. is twenty twenty, and maybe that actually maybe was a good thing for his development because he did fade off a little bit and finish strong towards the end of the season. But yeah, man, he's a guy moving forward. We talk about, once again, cheap cap hits, a guy who's really effective on a cheap cap hit. And the one thing about Kobe Franklin, he's got that little bit of Richie Larea in him where, yep. man, this guy wears it on his sleeve this guy runs like no tomorrow he's the type of player that would run through a wall for a head coach and i think that's why john herman immediately shouted out kobe franklin after the game because he's got that little bit of you know x factor tenacity about him which mm-hmm. this team needs they lack so much fight and kobe franklin's got it at just 19 years old or 20 years old whatever he is now so yeah really excited about kobe's future here yeah absolutely mm-hmm. and it, you know you also can say the same thing about um Cueo as well like in terms of coming in uh in a spot and, and again not perfect but looking solid and looking like a player that can you know give you real minutes next year uh and and move the club forward a little bit and again that's another player and I know Jeff you you love this kid to the moon um and maybe you want to talk wax a little bit about him but I think like again these are these bright spots they're there right in this lineup it, it's just yep. You gotta, you kind of have to get out of the mood of holy crap, this has been awful, and kind of look at some of these individual pieces and see where you can continue to build into twenty twenty four. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, I am fine with handing Queo keys to the number six position. Let that be his, his to his to lose. And I'm fine with Kobe Franklin uh, at right back. There are bigger fish to fry at this club. Uh, they're quality players, like you said. They're not perfect, but you have to look at. I mean, Quayo wasn't even Quayo wasn't even on the first team roster at the beginning of this season. You know, the, their ascent has been remarkable. Uh, it's one of the things that we don't talk about enough. It's one of the only positives about the season that that players such as these two, and there are a couple more. DeAndre Kerr, I think, belongs in the in the conversation. Um, have found a way to be at least penciled in starters on this unbelievably dysfunctional team. You know, they kind of took their, their own development uh, for themselves. Uh, they stake, they stake the claim uh, in this chaos. And I am so excited to see what they're capable of doing in a better environment uh, with, with more uh, cohesion. Like, I mean, you know, I was saying this uh, uh, in my column uh, in a response to a comment on my column, you know, yeah, there are night there. They have mayor games. They fade in and out. They're certainly not as consistent as we would hope, but I count at least twice a game when Kobe starts uh, where he does something like a, like a 
ridiculous dummy or an absolute techie faint or like a, a unbelievably well-timed tackle. And I'm like, this kid's got it. He's a baller. And with Quajo, it's the same thing. You know, occasionally he does insane nonsense, but occasionally he reminds you of his pedigree. I mean, this guy's got that Spanish silkiness down pat. Um, yeah, I mean, the last thing I'm going to do is point out their deficiencies because in the grand scheme of things, they're meaningless compared to the, to the, to the, to the bigger issues at this club. Fair enough. I would, Oh, sorry, Mike, go ahead. I would say Coelho's Coelho's more consistent, um, out of the two, Mm. I think. So I think I, I know before John Herman arrived, Coelho was being molded and modeled to be Michael Bradley's replacement, right? He, that's who the club saw as their future number six. And, I don't know if next season's too early to hand in the keys. That's something again, Herman and his staff are going to have to assess, but I'm with you, Jeff. Like I really loved what I saw from him, especially on the ball. When this guy was in the game, he saw passes and saw some patterns on the field that other TFC players did not see in that position. And that's just a compliment to kind of, yeah, that background, that Spanish savviness Mm -hmm. that he has when he's on the ball. Again, I, mean, I'll, I said this in the past, the next step for him is is getting a little bit stronger and getting a little bit of that nastiness into his game as a six. Because if you're going to yeah. be deployed yeah. in a single pivot, especially yeah, yeah. Yeah, the that's fair. on the ball. That's fair. I mean, I, I would I would counter and say you don't you don't have to worry about getting uh, getting a studs out tackle if you're if you're if you're you know if you pass it off quickly enough. But you're right, there a six. You, you there he has to be a little bit stronger. Uh, with respect to being a single pivot in any system, yeah. Uh, yeah. He, yeah, he, he needs to he needs to eat his wheaties over the break. Absolutely. You would also have to uh, surround him probably with the other right pieces in midfield, right? Like the mm-hmm. one limit to his game is probably he's a little bit slow, um, but a lot of sixes in the world are. So there are ways yeah. to kind of get a- around that, especially when you have his on ball ability. So yeah, he's going to be one to watch as to whether. You know, is is he the future number six starting next season for Toronto FC, or do they bring in someone to kind of bring in as a bit of a mentor, I guess, or someone to mentor Alonzo Coelho in that position? If only we like, had someone that 50, has been playing 50. a six at a high pedigree for like three hundred something games that could, you know, yeah, we'll me- mentor him. Yeah. Um, Aaron, just to correct, because uh, yes, they were playing in a three four three, but John Herdman has insinuated rather heavily um, that the way forward is three at the back. Uh, so we're we're just that working, is three at the back. Yeah, that's three at the back. Sorry, sorry, but the like a, a five, you know, with with wing back play, like moving the the fullbacks further back. So yeah, um, yeah, single pivot is what yeah. I Let, let's let's sort of talk about um, the you talked about big fresh Jeff. Let's talk about the mm-hmm. the two massive guppies um, that uh, that played on Saturday in Lorenzo Insigne and Federico Bernardeschi. Um. Look, I, from my opinion, I thought they actually did not. I thought Lorenzo actually came out with a lot of energy um, and, and looked decent. I got my frustrations with Fede, and and I can get into that later. Mm-hmm. But it was interesting, and I know we're going to get more into to John Urban's comments in, in a bit. But he did compliment them in terms of you know, really talking about the fact that they they were bought in a little bit more in this game. Now, you can question whether or not that is basically because it's the last game and they're like, hey, I know I'm done here. I might as well just run mm-hmm. it out and my season's over. 
uh, and then I'm back to wherever I'm going. Um, but I guess now that the season is over, and we've been speculating this for a while, so this is not new territory that we're covering, but did you feel like, did this feel like a end of a relationship kind of game? Like this is this is kind of like, they didn't stick around much for the post-game stuff. They didn't stick around for the Bradley photo, team photo um, afterward, which has been probably, you know, widely talked about online. Mm-hmm. Did this kind of feel like a thanks for everything? We're out, Arrivederci, we're gone. Like, or do you think there is a path no more than, for one of them to come back? No more than this entire season felt like uh, as soon as I can find a better suitor, Arrivederci, I'm gone. Uh, I, I didn't see anything different. I'm sorry. I didn't see anything different. Telling people they look plugged in in a 2 nothing loss where we never looked like we threatened the net for even half a second. Um, I forget, what is this? What is this garbage? You know, it, these are empty platitudes. Uh, uh, they bought in. Uh, meh. <laughs> did you just throw up? In, in mouth. my mouth a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, I did. I absolutely no, but chunks in my mouth a little bit. We've seen this uh, like three or four times this season. And I'm, I don't know if John Herman's fooled by this at all. I hope not. You know what? Let's let's run that John Herdman clip because let's give everybody a sense of kind of what we're alluding to. And okay. that way we can all work off the same footing here. Yeah, I thought they, they put a hell of a shift in. That was uh, there was some real commitment. I seen them, you know, breaking through the emotional response, you know, of what we've seen in the past to you know, they're going to do it and then they'll turn around and start sprinting back 20 yards, which you've seen from both Lorenzo and Federer regaining it in that last 15 minutes. So, I mean, I'm, I'm taking all that information in. And I think in a, in a better context with a better build and a lead in, you know, I think we can get these players fully committed and dialed in. But at the end of the day, they have to be ready to win for this club. Um, I think when we get more tactical cohesion, you see a lot of unforced errors from the DPs at the moment. I mean, that's I think that's normal. They're just starting to find that rhythm in how we want them to play. Um, but that has to change. Those unforced errors have to change. Uh, I think they've got a high level of quality. And again, I, I really compliment their, their effort tonight. It was, uh, it, it was another level. So that's John Herman obviously talking about Federico Bernardeschi and Lorenzo Insigne after the match. He, as you guys heard, he praised their performance for the most part with the caveat that they had maybe a bit too many unforced errors, which, you know, it's fair. I think we've all seen that both players have quality. They are incredibly, incredibly skilled and talented players. TFC fans have known this for a year and a half now that's not what's at question so john herman saying that doesn't really he's not really breaking any news right we all see that what john herman is failing to i guess really emphasize and mention here is the fact that for 90 percent of the season these guys haven't given it their all when it comes to this 
all for one mentality. These guys haven't given it all when it comes to the badge or playing for the shirt, right? That's what they've done it in one game sample sizes. Like I think back to the game after Federico Bernardeschi was suspended for his comments after Austin, right? Lorenzo Insigne comes out, has one of the best matches, maybe even the best match we've ever seen him play in a TFC shirt when he had the two assists. Probably. Um, so we've seen glimpses of them putting in 90-minute shifts, but if you're judging based off that, you're you're going to be <laughs> taking up a dark hole because the seconds things go wrong at this club, those guys are the first ones to kind of bend and break. And I think that's the biggest issue, which, you know, we'll get into more of sort of some of the cultural stuff right now that's going on at the club. But um, it, it's quite clear for TFC fans who have watched this team for the last year, year and a half, that these two, they're a big part of the problem right now at TFC. And it kind of sounds like, honestly, the start of last season again, when you hear John Herman speak about them, about oh, you know, if we just had them in kind of the right situation, that they could be good players. It kind of sounds like and that's if my what grandmother had wheels, she'd be a wagon. Like, can we just stop the <laughs> insanity? Like, seriously, nobody has the secret sauce. There is no secret sauce. The emperor has no clothes. Do not pass go. Do not collect $200. I am so sick of the, you know, if only... If only, like you know, it's like that scene in Airplane where everybody's slapping the panicked woman and they're all getting in line and they think they can change her mind. And then they just eventually take pleasure in slapping the woman because it's fun. Like, it, this is insanity. And, and we all know the honest truth here. It's that we're being held hostage by these guys. That's, right? like, that's also the other part of it, Jeff, is like what what factor of this does John Herman have to go out and compliment them because he that's knows what I was going to say. That's no, exactly. No, how much and, of it is him it's, holding back? It's nauseating. It's nauseating. Like, I think the secret sauce with these guys, and just permit me this thought experiment, is to stop doing this insanity where you're you're giving them participation medals and saying and coddling them on the head. And somebody have the balls to come out there and say, like, without any subtle insinuation, they're the problem. And if we could get rid of these guys, like call their bluff. For Christ's sake, because this coddling them is going nowhere. I don't know if that's going to work. It might explode the club in a way we can't even foresee. But, oh, my God, can we change the tune, please? Because this is just an insult to my intelligence. Like, no, they didn't have good shifts. No, they didn't play very well. We lost 2-0. We're paying these guys millions of dollars to sit around with their shoulders hunched and look like they'd rather be anywhere else. Stop telling. Stop gaslighting me. Stop gaslighting yeah. us. We have no, eyes. Yeah, I hear what you're saying, Jeff. I I, I do think you mm -hmm. can't come out and do that, right? One, if you are trying to get rid of them, you just tank their value, right? So that's one that's one part of it. I think the Who cares? other part. We are, we're not beholden to them. No, Who cares you are. About their value? Their value is garbage. This is this is yeah. the problem, Jeff. You we kind of are. Mm -hmm. We have painted ourselves a bit in a corner with these two players, right? Like oh, shit. they're paid a lot of money, right? And and it is going to be difficult to offload them this offseason. We might be able to do it, maybe, but it's going to be very difficult. Very, very difficult. Unless somebody, mm -hmm. uh, you know, the, the the most of the rumors out there now are about loan deals, right? So it's not about permanent, they're gone. It, it might at best be a loan deal, maybe. 
Um, there, there is a reality where we may have to deal with them for another season, I right? That's that's a reality. And and, and, and I, I mean, if, I, if that's the case, though, Jeff, if that's the case, then the last thing you need to be doing is going out in press conferences and literally throwing them under buses. Do they maybe deserve it? Probably. Um, can you really do it? Can John Herdman, who has just come into the to the role and has just mm. been on the bench for his first game? really do that after essentially two weeks on the pitch or 10 days on the pitch with them? No. But can't. Mike, we've seen this story before. And if, and if Herman is anywhere close to as smart as he'd like us to believe he is, then he's seen the story too, right? Like we've seen this story before. It's, it's the, it's the endless telenovela of being a TFC fan right now. It's not working. I, I have no faith that this is oh, going I don't, to work. I don't disagree so, with you. The, like the, pro- so, the problems are there. It's just mm, the reality yeah. of what this contract situation is, and, right? And I also, mm-hmm. I also take umbrage with the reality. It's sunk cost fallacy. And the sooner, and I've been screaming this in, in as many different ways as I can, I can twist it for so long now that, that it's like I, I hate myself even leaving my mouth, but it we're not making money on this sale. We're not recouping our losses. Any like abandon ye all hope that that's going to happen. We're not getting out of this smelling like roses. The sooner we come to terms with that and realize, yeah, it's a really bum deal. And it's an insult that this, that Juventus is coming back and saying, Hey, we'll take them off your hands for a six month loan to help ourselves out because Paul Pogba can't stop, you know, juicing or whatever. And, and, you know, for, and, and for your trouble, we'll do, we'll do it. We'll do it to you. And, and, you know, you'll thank us for it. Yeah, it sucks. It, they're taking us over a knee and, and we don't even have it. And we don't even get the DP spot back, but guys, that's what happens when you bet big and you lose. I don't understand why this hasn't computed yet. You don't get to keep, when you go to the, the craps table and you go all in and you're wrong, you don't get a mulligan. You walk out of there with your head between your legs and you go, God, I was stupid. I really should have quit while I was ahead. We don't get like you cannot have your cake and eat it too, and and I like I just I it's gonna suck. We all know it's gonna suck. At this point, it's not about can we get away with it not sucking. It's about how bad is it gonna suck and how much can we take. You let these two do what they did this year at this club for a full season next year. There's no club left. There's barely a club left now. So I, I like at a certain point you have to go. What are we doing? You know, twenty five million is the club's worth. What three hundred? At a certain point, you have to make these scorched earth predictions. They're ruining the club that I love. They're ruining it, and somebody somewhere has to. Somebody somewhere has to step in and say enough is enough. And it Fair. sure as hell isn't saying they put in a shift tonight. And oh my god, did you see how they tracked back? I was there. I didn't. I have eyes. They didn't right, do Jeff. that. Stop it. Yeah. No, All right. I, I get what you're saying. <laughs> uh, look, I, I I get it. Like, I think you you voice what a lot of fans are thinking, right? Like, a lot oh, of fans I'm are so pissed disgusted. Off. Ah. And, and it, it's funny because you talk about the the them ruining sort of the culture within the clubhouse, and we have a clip clip here from Jonathan Osorio. I know Mike, you want to speak to this a little bit about brotherhood and whether there was a brotherhood in the locker room. Um, Jeff, why don't you cue that up and then we'll sort of talk. That's clip a little two, bit right? Me. Just, just uh, checking. That's clip so. two. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. 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 Awesome. See how the sausage is made. Here we go. This club has a one for all motto. Mm-hmm. Was there a brotherhood behind the scenes this season? 
the truth is no. Um, the truth is no. Um, uh, we didn't do a good job of all sticking together. Um, th there's reasons for for that. Uh, many reasons for why that happened, but I think at some point it became too much and, and uh, uh, yeah, the group wasn't together. There, there, there wasn't a brotherhood and um, and yeah, that's something, you know, John coming in now He's working on that, and to be to be honest, in the last two weeks, uh, the 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 team seemed more together than in a long time. Um, after everything that has gone on this this year, um, but yeah, there's a lot of work to do in that sense, and that work will you know will begin starting next week. So before that, we get technical, yeah. sorry. Oh, sorry. No, no, I, yeah. I'm, doing, I'm pulling a Jeff. Go. No, 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 it's all right. Uh, so that was Jonathan Osorio just talking post-game about sort of this idea around brotherhood and whether their locker room was together through most of the season. Look, we've talked a lot about that throughout the, the season on this podcast about how this team did not look together for various reasons. Um, Mike, I know you want to talk a little bit about that or through that. Um, through that through line, because I think it fits into this conversation we've just been having with Lorenzo, with Fede, but I think also with the team in general in terms of just being able to come together at, in adverse times. Yeah, you watch that clip and it it's sad. Like first yeah. and foremost, it's sad um, watching that clip and just thinking about how far this club has fallen and Jonathan Azor has been through all of it. So seeing him kind of speak on that is is a bit fitting. Uh, shout out Neil Davidson for the awesome question because just the straightforwardness and the, the framing of that question led to Ozora's really candid response. And I th again, it, it kind of ties back to what Jeff was ranting about, but we know why there wasn't a brotherhood on this club, right? There's factions that are behind the scenes that ultimately drive a lot of this a lot of the club apart. That's the best way to kind of frame it right there. And, yeah. you know, Bill Manning, when I last spoke to him, which was John Herman's introductory presser, which was about two months ago, he admitted that straight up admitted that this club had a broken culture and they had to find a way to kind of rebuild that culture. To me, like, again, circling back, if you want to move forward and if you want to emphasize brotherhood and if you want to say something along the lines of, you know, from now on at this point in 2024, there will be no one that will walk through those doors that doesn't want to, you know, play for the, the badge and doesn't want to, you know, disrespect the shirt and won't disrespect the shirt. You have to, you have to start by getting rid and finding ways to get rid of Insigne and Bernadeschi because when you talk about a lack of brotherhood, I'm telling you that those two are at the front of that. And the reason why there's, or a big reason at least, why there's so much 
um, of a fractured identity there behind the scenes. That and obviously the the culmination of losing that obviously builds a toll on on in the dressing room, and maybe that's why you know cracks start to happen, and that's why you know bigger fractures start to happen. But man, if those guys could have held strong, you might be talking about a different tone at least of this. I don't think there's really any real winning there, but you got to be talking about mm-hmm. a different tone. Yeah. And it, it, you could just see the defeat like in his eyes a little bit, which mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. like you said, sad um, for somebody who look most likely is future captain. Let's be real. Um, yeah. Go ahead, Jeff. <laughs> Make him captain. Oh my God. Like close your eyes. His meter sounds like Bradley. Like that was my first, well, my first takeaway is that's maybe my favorite Oso haircut of all time. Like he's had some good ones, but that one is immaculate. Um, number two, uh, I think he gave MB4 a run from his money on dramatic pauses there. Like those were some excruciatingly long dramatic well, he, pauses. He said he, he's and taking I, lessons. Oh, he's taking lessons. Like with. I'm telling you, close your eyes. And he doesn't even sound like Toronto man's Osorio sometimes. Like he's got that Jersey accent. Like there were a few moments cause I've watched that. I've watched those clips quite a bit. Um, and I'm like, did he just say football? Like the Bradleys did like with the football kind of thing, like just unbelievable him and Bradley at a certain point, I might even do this. I might measure out who had the longest pauses Bradley in his, <laughs> in his retirement. Uh, and also in this one, cause they were, unbelievable they were excruciatingly long like i was listening to them uh on audio only and at, at least five times i'm like okay did my feed cut out because it was just dead air for like two and a half minutes. well if you like dead mm-hmm. air you might like the next clip we might play of john mm-hmm. sorry because he oh, did talk a- uh, he also did talk about um lessons learned and you can hear the michael bradleyisms in that but i also think it's important and it still connects to what you were talking about mike this idea around lessons learned not just within the locker room but within the organization in general and there's some things i want to talk about and obviously we'll all talk through but uh jeff you want to go ahead and play that clip there's a lot um there's a lot of lessons um I think that the club has to really regroup now and, 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 and see where we have gone wrong in the last three years. What are the decisions being made that has gotten us to this point? And so I think the club has to analyze that deeply, deep, deeply this offseason and uh, yeah these kind of you know I, I don't think this is a, a a season that just happened out of the blue I think uh, there's numerous things that have been happening over the years uh, that has gotten us to this point and um, so it can it can't all be fixed uh, just in this off season, but I think there's necessary things and decisions that have to be made um, if we want to start turning this around. 
Boom. Well, this is what Boom. I've been talking about. This is what I talked about in my rant earlier in the season, right? This is not a one-year thing. This isn't a 2023 problem. This is a problem that has been in the club since really the end of 2019, going into 2020 in a lot of ways. Um, you know, obviously it starts with Greg Vanny. Oh, whoops. <laughs> and, it, you know, it goes, it's, it's, you know, it speaks to Greg Vanny's departure from the club and kind of works from there. And like, look, it's, there's a lot of sort of hands that played a role in this, right? Whether you talk about Ollie Curtis, you're talking about Bill Manning, you're talking about, you know, um, you know, you're, you're talking about other people in decision-making roles, you know, Bob Bradley to a certain extent as well. But I mean, yeah, I mean, look, the, the, the I think the issues are, frankly, is the decision-making has not been good. You know, this is something we have talked about over and over again mm -hmm. on the show. And, and Osorio sort of spelt those things out. This decision-making that's been happening for years, and there is a constant thread within that decision-making. Um, it is Bill Manning. I have said it several times. A lot of people have said it over the last couple of years where it's, you have to question some of the decision-making from the top. And... Mm -hmm. What that deep dive looks like, I'm not going to pretend to know. Um, but it needs to be deep and it needs to be, you know, led not by Bill Manning. I think it needs to be led by Sean Rubio, who's been brought in for that reason to be technical director. Um, yep. And, and I think it needs to be kind of ruthless in in a way that it it not just addresses some of the, the issues of decision making and short term thinking in the way that the club gets built. But I think that it also needs to be transparent to the fans. I think the fans need some answers in terms of not just that this happened, but why. And why was it allowed to continue to fester for as long as it has? That's, really? I think, how you I, get some I, people back. I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know. I don't, I'm, I'm sick of the postmortems because talk is cheap, you know, and, and uh, like just win. Just reward our sacrifices. But you need oh. to do that to win, Jeff. Like, it, like, yeah, you, I like just, that's how TFC's been trying think, to get away with this for a while, right? They've no, been I, and trying I, I to agree avoid with you, doing this kind of but, work. But do you really want to read like the the forty page mea culpa from from this and that player or this and that front office person? Do you really want the press conference that sort of skirts around the issues? Because it, it, no, I don't care anymore. I mean, like, it's bad. Fix it. You know, what I care about is fixing it. I think I, I think the best way I can express it is like to me that that we only have a finite amount of energy and a finite amount of time. And so you triage and I would rather look forward than look backward. I would rather all the energies of these people, including Bill Manning, because I don't think he's going anywhere. And, and my hope is at the very least that he appreciates that he needs to take his foot off the gas here and let the people that he's hired do their damn jobs. Um, which he was very good at for some reason at the outset and then got too big for his britches for whatever reason. Let's not even speculate. Um, to me, it's just a simple equation. I don't like if that energy is going to be spent on mea culpas and promises, forget about it. I don't care. Put that energy into scouting South America or whatever the case may be. Right. Like like and, and then the, the idea of full transparency, you're never going to get it. And I think it, I think it's dangerous to, to, to expect it. Um, 
you know, because there are certain things they have to play close to the chest for the same reason that, that, you know, we were just talking about why logic would suggest you get on the microphone and call the DPs out because they sure as F deserve it. But there are other factors at play. You could, you could negate their market value. Like there, there's always causality to these sort of things. So to me, I just, you know, I, I'm far less interested in hearing about the why is it happened and far more interested in seeing a roadmap to never having to ever be in this position again. Yeah, like, I don't know, five head coaches since the start of 2021, three different sporting directors or general managers, if that's what you want to call it. Um, I can't even tell you the amount of different players that have come through Toronto FC, maybe close to 80, 70. Boy has a number here in the comments. 70, mm-hmm. 80 over the last three years, uh, if not more. There's there been roster go, turnover. And as I mentioned, Bob Bradley, man, the, I, can count, I, can, I can't count on both of my hands the amount of times that Bob Bradley said the focus on this kind of recruitment strategy is, is for TFC to bring in good people and people who love the game. Mm-hmm. We're hearing the exact same thing, but instead this time it's just the way that John Herdman's framing it. Like we're back through this, this cycle once again. We're now, okay, albeit it's, it'll be a different decision maker when you look at Jason Hernandez as a general manager, different um, coach and, and John Herman. So they'll have different eyes of who good people are, I guess, and different mm-hmm. expectations of mentality and all the, you know, kind of intangibles that you need and to, I guess, recreate a culture, but it's the same thing over and over. And we're in a cycle now for at least the last three years that, I, I don't see like one of the things I want to ask people and want ask you guys this, like mm-hmm. what is there that gives you hope heading into 2024? When you think about this Toronto FC team, is there something that you can kind of pinpoint that, you know, that's the reason why I'm, I'm hopeful for 2024. <laughs> um, I might get a PS five. Okay, so I I think if there's something that will right now give me hope, it is the potential to now have someone like Sean Rubio who is in a position to make some of the technical and footballing decision and removing, maybe not removing Bill Manning directly from all of those kind of decisions, but adds an, an additional layer uh, that kind of insulates the footballing staff from sort of checks and balances. Yep. Yeah, yeah, that that gives me some hope. Now, th- of course, the question is: Look, there are bigger things within MLSE that are happening that you can read the news about the board and things like that that give me pause for concern that are beyond anything we can control um, mm-hmm. as a fan base, and frankly, as does any staff at TFC can control. Um, but I think that's the one thing that can give me some hope is that there is someone in place that can make those decisions along with Jason Hernandez and along with John Herdman that can sort of figure out, okay, who are the key pieces in the team that are going to be here to build again? 
And yes, you are right, Mike. You're completely right. We are in another loop. We are in a MCU time mm-hmm. loop right now. Um, but I keep going back to the fact that there's sort of the one constant within that time loop. It is the president, right? Um, and 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 that that is something that I believe has to be looked at. I know it won't be. He's not going anywhere. But if it, to answer your question, I think Sean Rubio being a technical director and being that extra level gives me hope. Jeff, what about you? Very very fair. I mean, listen, you don't hire an auteur and then micromanage them. It's simple. Uh, and in film history, there have been a lot of producers that made that mistake once, twice, and then realized their mistake and hit it out of the park. The next, the next round working with the same auteur director. That's my hope. My hope is that public pressure, private pressure, despite the fact that it's an unbelievable chaos at MLSE right now, and despite the fact that Bill Manning's seat isn't even close to as hot as most people would like to suggest, um, that ego and hubris there's no room for them anymore uh there's no that 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 the cupboards are bare and the emperor has no clothes and now ego and hubris which i think have played too high a a role in in shenanigans in the back room there's no place to hide and bill is forced into a decision that maybe he doesn't want to concede that power because who likes to give up power but it's the right thing to do um it's certainly going it's it's the it's the right thing to do you you've hired auteurs let them do their jobs stay out of the way um john herdman isn't going to succeed at this if he's kneecapped at every angle uh in the same way as bob bradley was never going to succeed if he's kneecapped at any angle at any angle that's my hope my hope is that cooler heads prevail or at the very least public pressure has created a, a situation where People can't hide behind you and hubris anymore, and the right moves get made almost in counter to the to to how people would rather be treated. Be making the Mike. What about you? I mean, you asked a question, so I I, I know you're looking for our responses. But what about yourself? Like, what do you see that gives you potential hope for for 2024? Uh, I'm smiling because I honestly couldn't think of a, an answer. <laughs> like, I think I think the obvious answer is probably Herdman. However, even then, it's you probably have some question marks about huge. Oh, I have question marks about whether, oh, yeah. yeah, he he's the guy to you know. I, again, I don't want to take discredit anything because I think it actually was a fantastic hire. But kind of along the lines of what Jeff was saying is that we've seen literally five different people in this position, and none of them have been successful, including a guy who is the second most winningest coach in MLS history and before people say oh you know two of those people were interim coaches well they have a couple of people who are interim coaches that are now full-time coaches that have led their team to the Mm -hmm. MLS Cup playoffs this Mm -hmm. season Um, so it is possible for an interim coach to go on and and secure the full-time job I mean heck Terry Dunfield's name was among those considered as Bill Manning quite clearly illustrated when uh bob bradley was sacked so yeah i i i look at this not necessarily that manning's had three stabs at it but he's had five stabs at really getting the right guy here at toronto fc so i can't even really full-fledged point to herman and be like okay herman's gonna save this team because i think there's 
other factors at play. Um, what really doesn't mm-hmm. give me hope again is is those DP contracts, man. And when you look at the contracts, like I don't know if there is a way to get out of them without either the Italians taking a big pay cut, like they hate Not it here happening. so much that they take a, a pay cut to go play elsewhere, or Toronto FC gets so sick of them and somehow some way convince the board to eat some of their salary in order to facilitate it facilitate a move be bad if they have um to. exactly and that's also the that's only obviously way. the repercussion right yeah so let's say let's if toronto fc's priority mlsc's priority actually was winning they would find a way to kind of eat those contracts um eat some of those contracts however as we know it's a business they're the reason why Toronto FC don't actually have three DPs this year and why Jonathan mm. Osorio is considered that third designated player. Let's just, again, I know people know that, mm. but it's really gives you food for thought of kind of the position where Toronto FC and MLSC are in. Um, yep. The one, I guess, positive is they do have a ton of cap space to play with. So you can bring in a lot of, uh, what do you say, like MLS regulars, Yeah, I guess. Um, yep. They're going to have some international roster spots. So if they find a way to recruit efficiently great herman pointed to fc cincinnati as kind of being the model which is i, I just find just yeah that's hilarious, hilarious. That's, ne- that's never not going to be funny yeah yeah considering where fc cincinnati was just two years ago and mm-hmm. where toronto fc is now but it, i mean it, in a way it's kind of fitting because toronto fc let's face it they're the new fc cincinnati Right. Well, they're the, the new, everything old is new again. Yeah. Well, they're that's the what I was about to say. Yeah. Well, no, we're yeah. the old TFC again. We're we're mm-hmm. back we're worse. to being the old we're TFC worse. again. Like we're worse. we really are, and that's the scary part for me is that we have returned to the dark times because when you're I talking think it's about so five, much worse. Well, maybe. Well, yes, yes. Yeah. Because they spend money, money now. They actually spend money <laughs> yeah. now. That's the that's the crazy part. But yeah. like you're talking about five managers, whether permanent or temporary in three seasons you know 50 players Mm -hmm. or around that this season how many countless over the last three seasons that's old tfc that is old tfc for those who know who were there during the dark years that's exactly what happened every single season and it's happening again Mm -hmm. uh and it's it's a scary time now hopefully you know that that the the hope of of you know Sean Rubio being here of Jason Hernandez having full control from a GM perspective it sounds like from again from John Herman's post game press conferences there are plans in place and structures in place that they want to put in with the first team let's see if they let's see if they work um from that perspective but as much as there is, there could be some optimism going into season. There is, there's equal right for people to feel a little bit afraid, because you're another season away from this from being another 2012, mm-hmm. 2013 kind of season where you've got different decision makers who have different visions on how the club should be built, all fighting for control. That's why yep. you ended up owing. That's my that's that's my worry as well. It's my yeah. worry as well. And I won't go into that um, very much longer. That's a whole other podcast, I think, if you want to go back yeah, to the history yeah. of that. Um, but yeah, that's that's I can I, see one yeah. way where it works and another way where it goes like that. Sorry, Jeff. I used to I used to harp on allowing for the pandemic margin because of what it created. 
you know, when we were talking about the misfire on Soteldo and maybe even the Ali Curtis misfire, although that is, is a different beast altogether. But just to simplify, you know, I had a lot of time for like, yeah, okay, we can't recruit as well as we did with Seba and, and you know, Victor, et cetera, et cetera, because we're talking on Zoom and we're working at a, at a Hartford. But we are years from the end of the pandemic now. And there are a lot of teams that suffer just as bad that have their S together now. So I don't, I, I, I'm not allowing for that anymore. I'm over it. Um, oh yeah. There's teams oh, yeah. that do yeah. way more. Oh, with yeah. way There's less. teams that have done way more with less. Like it's, it's nothing to hang our hat on anymore. No, hundred um, percent. Funny enough though, yeah. of the two teams that have come out of that period, maybe the worse off is the teams that kind of like swapped managers and players. It's LA galaxy and Toronto FC. Like mm-hmm. those are the mm-hmm. two teams that kind of went in. I know the Galaxy weren't quite even there. Well, Montreal, Montreal like, got effed. Montreal and Vancouver got effed in terms of being in like uh, a temporary yeah. stadium, same as we did. But you know, Montreal is is aside from getting worked by that beautiful New York Red Bulls late minute goal, which will go down in history. Um, and then you know, Vancouver, they're both on the ascendancy, right? We all thought Losada would be a disaster at Montreal, and he wasn't. Let's be honest. He Ooh, wasn't. Depends on who you talk um, to. He wasn't. He wasn't. He wasn't Wilfred Nancy, but he no, wasn't. No, you know? but I mean, um, I don't think Kernan Lasada sees next year as uh, CF Montreal manager. Put it that way. Probably not because he tends to break teams. I mean, I can't like they can't eat when he's around. Um, but you know, the that that's 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 who I'm looking at. Not at the. But LA they're Galaxy. also like I'm looking Jeff, at the Canadian teams. Mm-hmm. To your point, they're also like the two of the lowest spending teams in Major League Soccer sure. as well. And sure. they're like this is the team but that efficient. wants to make Richie Larea its designated mm-hmm. player. And Richie Larea, I mean, he wouldn't be a designated player at Toronto FC because they have that standard of, you know, designated players and rosters mm-hmm. and resources that they invest into this club. So there's a higher expectation. And yeah, look around the league. Literally every other team is doing less with more than Toronto FC. They're the second highest spending team except for Inter-Miami, who brought Lionel Messi halfway through the year. Um, and they're going to be a team that's going to be a force for years in Major League mm-hmm. Soccer because of the amount that they invest in their roster and they're investing in you know what appears to be the right pieces right now. So What appears yeah, to be. I think there's, they're a deeply flawed roster, and, and we'll see it uh, over the course of a longer season. Uh, we'll agree to disagree. Did Jersey arrive yet? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> come on. The day it arrives. You guys it's going to come on draft Emer- when you're going to Emergency it. podcast the day it arrives just to celebrate <laughs> all of its greatness. Yeah. yeah, emergency <laughs> podcast. Exactly. Emergency podcast when that arrives. Oh, we're going to have to like, and here's a weird one, guys. I think we're going to have to do like a proper super draft like pod. Guys, have, have, you, have you seen? Draft. Man. Yeah, we have you seen the pick. videos that I've loaded into our stream yard? We've got to do the episode where we go back on our over unders until and, oh, TFC decide we to trade yeah, that yeah. pick. Yeah, they, they, yeah which yeah. it's it's TFC. They could legitimately trade another mm-hmm. pick. On trade super draft. Pick, yeah. yeah, that's true. Um, I did have a segment here where we we're going to talk about the one thing that surprised or frustrated uh, us during the 2023 season. Just but I really feel like quickly, we just spent an hour doing that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so just really, just really quickly name the thing because everybody thinks I'm going to say DPS. I actually am going to talk about the participation medal press conference. Okay. All right. They so uh, we'll come to you in a sec. We'll come to you in a sec. Yeah. Then, then Mike, no, go ahead. What's the one no, thing that surprised you? I got I to gotta, I gotta think about it. Oh, you got to think about it? Okay. Go ahead, Jeff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What the hell? I was in the middle. We'll come back to you. I already said it. They're, they're, it, they're insane. It's their horseshit. They're insane. We are a professional soccer club. That's the most unprofessional thing I've ever seen in my life. It's not kindergarten 
where, you know, you can't say we love the fans. They're so sophisticated. And then just shovel, shovel it into our mouths. You know what I mean? Like we have eyes. We're smarter than that. Don't make us hate you, you know, because it's getting close. It's getting close to that gift. You are not serious people. Stop it. I'd rather have no press conferences than whatever the hell that is. Like it's, it does nobody any favors. Can we stop immediately? You know, I, I'm, I'm sure there are politics behind you getting out and saying this was shit. We're all shit, but there has to be somewhere in between the insanity that we're witnessing right now, because I can't take it anymore. Like, I don't want to watch the press conferences that it's, it's it, it, my bullshit detector, just like my head explodes. I can't, I just can't do it. That's my, that's my pet peeve. I, I, I've, I know there's been times where in those press conferences, there's been straight up lies that have been said. Um, but that's also part of the game, right? That's, that's what press conferences are, especially when you're this bad, like, you kind of just want to wait to get to the end of it. And and I think the end of season pressers are going to be a little bit more spicy than, uh, than this last stretch. Um, cool. Pause it on a positive. What surprised me, um, the emergence of Lonzo Coelho and Kobe Franklin, which we've talked about. Those are guys that were really on the team's radar to begin the season. They weren't supposed to really factor in the way that they did, uh, but they absolutely did. Um, Surprised that Sean Johnson was able to stick it through, and he's still a member of Toronto FC. Um, and then I'm surprised at the way that this whole Michael Bradley saga kind of unfolded. Um, I would have figured that there would have been a better way for Manning and, and the front office to reached this point where Bob had to get sacked um, and then handle it a little bit better with Michael. Right. I'm not sure they really did that. So I'm surprised at the way that, you know, we're at the end of the year and Michael Bradley has announced his retirement and, Mm -hmm. you know, we'll get into the burning question shortly, but just surprised at the way that this is all kind of played out. Um, and obviously not, not not in a good way whatsoever. So uh, yeah, last positive. I'll I'll, I'll end it on a positive. Um, surprised at the way at how they landed John Herdman. I I think again. I think that's a really big coup for this club, considering all the things we talk about uh, budget wise. Uh, he was a guy that I think was a big time steal for this club, uh, especially given what he accomplished with both the Canadian national teams. I think he, his name alone carries a lot of weight and will at least give some fans, I think, hope heading into 2024. So that's a big get, I think, for this club. Yep. Mm. Mm. That's good. Um, mine is going to be completely off the board a little bit, um, and I'm going to get a heat from it from people I know, but that's completely fine. Um, I'm a little surprised and a little frustrated about how things happen in the stands, specifically in South and specifically in my supporters section and group, to be honest. Um, I'm not going to go through all of it, um, but I'll just say this. I think, look, everybody, a lot of people always get upset with the South and they don't coordinate and stuff like that. I, I understand that. Um, when is internal, when there are sometimes 
people who get into sport groups and forget why the groups exist and begin to put their own agendas into into leadership into into group dynamics it can degrade things very quickly um and uh and i think that has happened um and i can only speak for my own in in my own section um Yeah, I, I think I, I I will just say that I think I'm really frustrated at the that, fact yeah. that there are there are there has been there are people who have forgotten what this is about. And you know, hopefully that gets fixed, but it can potentially lead to I think it can lead to some Benfica. Yeah, and I think it could lead to some bad things uh, within the sand. So, yeah, I, I will leave it at that. Put it that way. And, you know, that's that's such a important point that you make because obviously you're hype, you know, you're focusing on just the Kings of the North there. But I'm talking about TFC, the TFC fan base as a whole. This season has been really taxing and taking a really big toll on – Everybody and everything. Everybody. 100%. Exactly. And, you know, being a supporter of this club and, and the amount that, you know, I, I'm not I'm not sure what you're referring to specifically there, Mike, but the amount that I can imagine that this season has just, like, once again, taken a toll on some of the energy and effort and devotion. Because, man, the supporters, I have so much respect for the supporters that show up um you know when they can game in game out and share the passion and energy and make bemo field as special as it is uh, it's because of obviously the supporter groups and sp- supporters in general so mm-hmm. like i those that's the first people i guess i think of aside from obviously the players and staff at tfc that i think of when i think about just how tired they must be after after this season. Yeah, I think yeah. everybody needs the reset to hit the reset button. Everybody needs to exhale. I certainly did, uh, and I, I'm already feeling a weight off my shoulders now that I know that it's over. Yeah, you know? uh, yeah. I think I, yeah. I don't think you could have said it better, Mike. I think really just this this season has been taxing for a lot of people for a lot of different ways, um, mm-hmm. and, and you know hit the reset button hopefully there's an opportunity to to just again uh, and and a lot of it look at i think is is just obviously just game after game after game after game just feeling like of people are fighting for the yeah. badge and losing mm-hmm. like losing is one thing mm-hmm. we like i've been i've been in this club for i've been know, losing you know, since 1990 yeah, <laughs> well, yeah but like, yeah. Man, like realistically mm-hmm. like i've seen this team lose games in the most ridiculous fashion oh yeah right like we hilarious hilarious the losing i've mm-hmm. seen it, it's it's the nature of it it that's really the thing that's gotten to the me. cynicism the yeah, the, it, the, it, the just awfulness of it like yeah you have, it, it, i was team, saying about the game mm-hmm. putting a team on the pitch that you you want to root for 
right? I think yeah. that's so important. Not, like not douse in a bath of acid. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. You know, there's so much so much going on behind the scenes that you you know is very clearly, you know, kind of spilling out onto the pitch. And it'd be much mm. easier if you had a I think a team on the pitch that was and dare I say like easy to root for. This this mm. team is yeah. not Easy to hate. This team was easy, easy to hate. Yeah, I've said it before. This was an unlikable team. I did not really like this team. I didn't. There weren't a lot of people on this team that I I liked, and and that's that makes it tough. That makes it tough. Let's put it that way. Okay. Um. Let's let's move on to the burning. You know what else? You know, I I have an enormous respect for the supporters groups because you know they always get levied with the you guys aren't in unison. Well, Doppler effect. I mean, you're gonna come at the king, pun intended. Do your damn research. Like the, there is an actual physical, you know, reason why sound tends to coalesce like that in, in an auditorium. And so don't come out complaining. And, and it must be so agonizing to hear it over and over again. Like it's your fault that physics exists and sound waves have a certain spectrum. Do you know what I mean? So I am in awe of, of that tight wire act. Um, and you know, yeah, things broke this year. I, I don't want to speak for you because I, I am not privy to the details. And certainly for you to come out and and, and be public with that means that, that there are issues there. But yeah, I, I I just think everybody needs a reset button. We all need to exhale. This year sucked. You know, the three of us haven't even talked live. Like this has been a struggle every week to come on here. Like, I mean, I love you guys and I love talking about the team, but there have been weeks where all three of us are like, do we have to? Like, do we really... Like everybody knows this is nowhere, you know, like what, what are we going to add to the conversation that doesn't, you know, get us angry and get us, you know, put us in the crosshairs of a fractured fan base. Like we have often had those conversations. Yeah. Let's just, let's take comfort in the fact that it's over and now we can look forward and, 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 and see what's happening. Um, Joao, Joao is saying, are we going to have these shows in the off season? You're damn right. We are. Uh, we may take a few breaks when nothing happens, but uh, when, when stuff happens, we're, we're going to be here. You know, we, yeah. we can't stop. We can't stop. We're addicted. This is, this <laughs> yeah, is a thing. No, we were, yeah. we're, we're just, uh, <laughs> we're just uh, prisoners in the little boxes on your screen. Mm, every week. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah. All right. Let's, uh, let's do the burning question to wrap this thing up. Yeah, indeed. I don't know where that one is. So give me one second. There we go. Uh, before I read that out, I believe somebody asked me if I'm going to the Forge game. Yes, I am going to the Forge uh, CPL final this weekend. Uh, the wow. burning question wow. presented by mm-hmm. Nextdoor. Nextdoor is the official community app of Toronto FC. It is also where you connect with the people and local businesses in your neighborhood. Download Nextdoor to find the soccer fans in your neighborhood, like on the Toronto FC fan community. We've been posting, interacting, posting clips on there. It's been a lot of fun. Um, join us there by downloading Nextdoor at the App Store or on nextdoor.ca. And the burning question this week we asked you after Michael Bradley officially joined his dad's coaching staff in Norway at Stabæk that was announced earlier today. Um, do you think our captain will one day return to Toronto FC? A couple of interesting comments. Almost all of them are no. <laughs> but uh, I'll read out a few here. Uh, Christopher on the uh, next door Toronto FC community uh, group just says, I don't think it's likely it feels like the end of an era overall. And I think that was the overall 
sort of feeling and and sentiment here from the fan base. Uh, Chrissy B just writing in. I don't think so. Saturday was the happiest I've seen Michael Bradley in ages, though he did get absolutely worked on that first Duncan McGuire goal. I mean, oh my god, got that so one. exposed. Who I mean, it was like bad. Oh, hand, it was you know, bad hands up and clap to to McGuire. That hit was incredible. Fantastic. Finish. Yeah. What also, finish. Michael Bradley's not a center back. No, not a not. center back, <laughs> especially <laughs> not the middle center back. He got cooked us, like, so bad. Three hundred and five appearances yeah. to be like, yeah. oh, he got center back. Is uh, he got cooked. also against Duncan McGuire, who's like the mm. best rookie in the league and is going to be probably yeah. I don't know a 15, 20 million dollar player and mm-hmm. scored yeah. thirteen yeah. goals this season. I mean, it's not yeah. like he's going up against some scrub, right? No, but. Mm-hmm. I think Michael actually did well to catch up to him. Just that hit was was beautiful. The second goal, though, yeah. I mean, Michael was never catching him on the second oh, no, goal. Never. No, never, never, never. I mean, what's the what's the age difference? Like the he could be the kid's dad. Like the guy had had all the all the miles on him. It was <laughs> yeah. crazy. Actually, yeah, yeah, yeah. Probably, mm-hmm. close. probably. Um, sorry, yeah. finish reading Christie's statement here. I also think it speaks. He speaks five languages. So, uh, in his coaching career, starts well. He has uh, better non MLS options. Uh, Spiro just writes and says, not under the current regime. I could totally see him being a good manager. He's got great leadership skills, work ethic, and he's learned a lot under Greg and his father. I'd love to see it one day, though. Uh, and then finally, mm-hmm. out, uh, rounding it off, excuse me, uh, Massimo just says, I always thought MB4 would go from playing to coaching in the TFC Academy. Let's talk about that in a sec. Um, I was shocked to hear that he was leaving Toronto and now joining his dad. I'm convinced the relationship with the club soured this year, and I don't think he would come back under the current front office team. Um, Let's talk about that a little bit, because had things worked out a little bit differently with Bob, I'm pretty sure we're looking at a stallback situation here where Michael Bradley retires and becomes 100 million percent. Not this season, but yes, in the future. I Next think that season, was, yeah, yeah. That was the plan originally when Bob was appointed. Yeah, and I wonder. Obviously, look, we 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 speculated um, on you know when Bob was fired, what would this do to Michael's sort of vibe with the club? Obviously, you've mentioned Mikey that probably Bill Manning and in, in the management team did not handle that situation well. Again, I, I I just wonder, even if Bob had left, was this sort of fait accompli? Like, if Bob's gone, then he doesn't see a future here because he, his idea was no. to coach? Not at all. Not at all. People get fired all the time. It's the way that this happened. It's the way that it shook out. And the way that a club that owes their very existence, they owe every brick in that training facility to Michael Bradley, decided almost unilaterally that that was no longer the case anymore. I mean, if there's one person that deserves extra attention, that deserves to be coddled, that deserves the participation medal, despite getting cooked by, uh, you know, uh, 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 what's what's the kid's name again? Who cares? Uh, You know, yeah, Duncan McGuire. It's Michael Bradley. And, you know, the man is a font of patience. He's a font of discipline. He's a font of motivation. And we emptied that tank. You know, John Molinaro released a video blog today where he he put it out, you know, with no kid gloves. The club should be embarrassed to, to to the custodial staff about what happened with Michael Bradley. They should be embarrassed. And 
I hope they are because it's an abomination. It's an absolute abomination. Um, just to answer the question, I don't think never. I say never say never. Um, I do think there is a future where Michael Bradley comes back after European adventures, certainly when there's been a changeover in the front office, um, to do what he should with this club, which is to coach it. Uh, it's the natural progression. And I would hate to think that we'll get robbed of that opportunity somewhere down the line. It sure as F ain't happening right now. I mean, the man couldn't wait to get out of here. Uh, and and I'm I'm fine with it. I, 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 I'm team Bradley. Well, look, I, I, w- I wish I could say that I was like super angry or shocked or something like that. But that's kind of par for the course on how the club has dealt with legends in the past. Right. Like it, it's for the most part par for the course. I mean, realistically, probably Justin Morrow is the only one that I could really think of that really kind of left on a actually a pretty good note. Right. Like mm-hmm. um, from that perspective. Right. Like the whole reason this TFC Legends things in the South thing got built. Um, with myself, with Annie Hart, like is because the club wasn't going to do anything, anything yeah. for these players. Like they weren't, you know, like, and it was just, a, it was just a thing. We were just like, Hey, let's try to do something to show that love. And it's funny. Cause I, I, I spoke to Michael very quickly before he left the field on Saturday. And the one thing mm-hmm. I told him is I'm sorry that you didn't feel like your family could stay here and, 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 you know, be a part of this community after your career was done on the field, because I think it's a big loss. I think it's a ma- I think it's a really big loss to loss. the not just the club, but I think that like it's just the soccer community here that he's not mm-hmm. going to be around. Um, and and you know I, I've talked to him before about how he loved being here and his family loved being here and he saw a long term future here, but clearly something broke at some point and yeah. he saw the opportunity in Norway and took it and I can't blame him for that. It just nope. really sucks. It really sucks, but I you know honestly I think that in a roundabout way, he'll be a better coach for this little, this little break from easy, um, you know, and, and, you know, Alex is saying it here and his in his essay, disagreeing with everything that I've said, there is a nugget of truth in, in what Alex is saying. Um, you know, he's, I take the opposite view of Jeffrey most of the time. Thanks, Alex, you know, sign, sign up for my newsletter. Uh, MB wasn't good for the past four years and the constant catering to his whims was frustrating. I, I actually, I think MB is the wor- is is not the worst defender here, but there is a grain of truth there. The club does have a habit of letting people get too comfortable. Um, you know, Seba's exit, where all decorum was gone. Josie's exit, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, yeah, I, 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 at this point, I chew. I, I, I'm, I'm over being mad about his exit because I could, it could make me hate this club. I mean, it really, really could like the, the watching his highlight video get dumped in the middle of the, of the first period of play was just unbelievable. Like I, I, I almost lost it. Had I been warmer, I probably would have, but like I, I almost properly lost it. It just felt so, so rushed and, and forgotten. And that's the last thing that this man deserves. And, and absolutely whatever um i think he'll be back it won't be anytime soon i think that this adventure is going to be good for him more experiences chance to fail not here because i don't want to see michael bradley fail as a coach here um hopefully it, it works out for us um there you go 
Yeah, I think it's best for his coaching career, as you said, Jeff, that uh, he begins his career elsewhere. I think there's too many things that have transpired, especially over this last year. Um, that would have made it difficult for Michael Bradley to remain a member of Toronto C in the fashion that he has been a member of Toronto C in the sense that I think everything that he kind of built here, a lot of it has, uh, that standard has certainly dropped. And I think everyone knows what that bar is that Michael helped set. And the bar is obviously, the hope is to obviously get back to that bar and even, you know, go beyond that bar. But it's so far below that, that another year at Toronto FC, they just, it wasn't realistic. Um, so for Michael to go and, and have, yeah, and he's had obviously a lot of exposure to Bob, but just to play a part in, in that coaching world now and actually be able to run training sessions without, you know, having to participate in training sessions to be on the sidelines without having to, to play games. Um, that part is going to be a bit of a, maybe a different mental challenge for him. So for him mm -hmm. to be able to do that overseas, I think is, is, is great for his career. And yeah, I, I'm with you, Jeff, never say never. Um, but yes, it won't be anytime soon. We'll also have to see how he does as a coach, right? Yeah. I, I personally, fair. I think, I think Michael Bradley is going to be a fantastic coach because of not necessarily because he was the most skilled player or the best player more so just the habits that he instilled he did things yeah. the right way and i think that's why i i believe michael bradley will be a really good coach it's, it's the mentality part of it not necessarily just because he was a good player and also you know center midfielders sixes those guys those guys can read the game and they know how to read the game the right way so yeah. Um, if you look at a lot, a lot of the coaches around the league, a lot of them are probably either, you know, center backs or sixes or eights in the midfield. Um, yeah. those prop those for, for me make the best coaches. So yeah, we'll see, I guess where his career progresses and hopefully I, I'm personally, hopefully selfishly that one day it ends up back in Toronto as, as a head coach, that would be poetic. Yeah, too. it would it would be fantastic. Um, okay, guys, let's put a capper uh, on this one. Um, thank you again for listening to another episode of Toronto Till I Die. To the community, you know, we're going to continue doing shows, obviously, in the offseason, as Jeff mentioned earlier. I just want to take a moment to really thank you for listening to us all season. I know this has ne hasn't always been the funnest podcast to listen to because we have to, <laughs> you know, we, we've been a little negative. But look, we can only give what the team gives us, right, in terms of mm. talking points from that perspective. But we really appreciate all the regulars that are on and in the comments and, and chatting with each other, connecting with us either at games or through social media. Some of it good. Hey, look, some of it critical. And, and that's completely fine uh, as long as it's been sort of, um, you know, above the belt and, and things like that. Um, so I just wanted to thank you all. For those who are listening and who are brand new, thanks for joining. Hopefully you stick with us through the off season as we try to navigate you to 2024 and hopefully better waters. Um, if you are watching this on YouTube um, and you haven't already, subscribe to the channel uh, and give us a thumbs up. That would be a big help. If you're now listening to this on podcast uh, version the day after, if you are on Apple, uh, throw us a nice little review. That'd be great. If you're on Spotify, hit us with those five stars. That would be amazing. Um, for Michael Singh, for Jeffrey P. Nesca, I'm Mike Newell. We'll see you next week, guys. Cheers, everybody. Cheers. 
and wait and wait. Yes, Mr. Frodo. It's over now. <laughs>